0: And uh, we are continuing this morning in uh, our study of the I Am statements of the book of John. So uh, you're going to want to be in John chapter 6 this morning. We're going to look at portions of the whole chapter, but we're going to especially focus in on verse 26 through the end of the passage. I hope that some of you uh, had the opportunity to join us last week for our Easter service. We had a great time meeting in the gym, and then we had a big potluck meal in here. It turns out that although there was a lot of food for the potluck, there were also a lot of us here. And so I happened to finish preaching, and I came out into the hallway and saw the line and lined up with my family to get into the meal. And uh, as I was in line, I kind of heard muttering, like, I hope there's enough food for us to eat in the cafeteria. Uh, And my middle daughter, Abigail, who's eight years old, heard this muttering, and it sort of triggered some deep anxiety in her heart. She began to ask questions like, will there be enough food? And I said, well, I hope so, but I'm not sure. What's going to happen to us if there's not enough food? I said, we'll figure it out. I promise that we will eat today one way or the other. If there's not enough food, we'll figure it out out. Uh, but through the course of our time in line, she continued to fret, and uh, that then triggered a, a little bit of quiet fear in my own heart, <laughs> because although I was reassuring her, I thought, uh, when I finish preaching, I'm going to admit, I- I'm usually very hungry. And uh, I was toward the end of the line, and I began to think, what will happen to us <laughs> if there is not enough food? Now, uh, we got Finally, to the front of the line, and it turned out there was just enough. I mean, it was like the loaves and the fishes. There was just enough food. We did not have, though, the 12 baskets left over. Everybody got through the line. Everybody, I think, got to eat at least something, even if it was three or four desserts or something like that, right? Everybody got something. But as I thought about that over the course of the week, and as I prepared to talk about John 6, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it occurred to me that we think about food a lot. Food is a a huge part of our lives. Uh, We think about what we are going to eat next. We plan what we're going to eat. We spend time preparing food or purchasing food. And then we spend time cleaning up after the meal. And by the time all of that is done, it's usually time to start thinking again about the next meal and the meal after that. For those who have multiple people in your family, maybe kids, you realize that meals come with a sort of frightening regularity, don't they? Kids and even adults always want to eat every day, multiple times a day, and, and we spend a lot of time thinking about food. In that respect, we are the same as every person who has ever lived. Everybody thinks about food. Because we have to have it in order to live. Uh, Without food, we die. So everybody who has ever lived thinks about food. In fact, we might think about it less than our ancestors because food is so much more readily available to us. We don't spend our entire day planning how we're going to get the next meal or the next meal. So we think about food a lot. What we might not think about as much as, particularly the ancient Israelites, we might not think as much about how food relates to God. We often, because food comes easier to us than others throughout history, we are not always conscious of the fact that food itself is a sign of the provision and presence of God. That food itself is a reminder to us that we worship a good and generous God who loves to provide for his people. If you think about the Israelites in the wilderness after they departed from Egypt, they were deeply dependent upon God to provide them with food every single day. Think about the Lord's Prayer. What is one of the critical components of the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. When was the last time you woke up and said, God, I pray that you would provide what I need to eat today. Jesus, in an agrarian culture, meant that prayer quite literally. You pray that God will provide today. Food is an indication of the presence and provision of God in our lives. And in fact, as Jesus speaks in John chapter 6, he is aware that when you and I open the pantry or we go to the fridge and we seek to satisfy our hunger, on really on a deep level, what we are looking for is life, right? What we're looking for is life. And life, Jesus knew, ultimately is only found in God. And what we see in John chapter six is Jesus will draw a straight line between who he is and the provision of life so that everything that we look for in food, we really find in an eternal and lasting way in Jesus. So in John six, Jesus will state a very powerful metaphor. I am the bread of life. In me, you find sustenance. In me, you find nourishment. In me, you find life and joy and everything you're looking for when you open the pantry or you go to the refrigerator or you seek to satisfy any hunger in your life for relationships, for connection to God, anything you look for Jesus says, I can provide. I am the bread of life. And so what we want to look at this morning is really two questions. One is, what is it we're looking for from food, right? Food is the primary metaphor of John 6. What do we uh, look to God or to food in order to provide for us? And then how does Jesus meet those needs? And here in John 6, here's the critical point. Here, Here it is. We're all hungry, only the bread of life, Can fill us up. We are all hungry, quite literally and spiritually, and only Jesus, the bread of life, can ultimately satisfy that hunger. All right, so as we look at John 6, that's what we're going to see. I want to read as we begin, John 6, starting in verse 26 down to verse 40. We'll talk about some other portions of the chapter this morning, but let me read this part as we begin. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now remember, this is a reference to the feeding of the 5,000 at the beginning of John 6. Verse 27 Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do? So that we may work the works of God. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign, so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world.' Then they said to him, "'Lord, always give us this bread.'" Jesus said to them, "'I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst.'" But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus makes a claim that everything you're looking for from food, I can give. And again, we are all hungry, but only Jesus, the bread of life, can fill us up. All right, so first let me break this down. We are all hungry. I want you to think for a minute about what it is that you look for when you eat What is it you expect food to provide for you that Jesus is going to say he can provide? Uh, Let me offer a few thoughts. All right. What are we looking for from food? All right. First of all, we look for physical nourishment, don't we? When you and I eat meals, uh, we eat meals literally to keep us alive. If you think about John chapter 6, the first part of the passage, which I'll talk about more in a few moments. John 6, 1 through 15 is the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus was teaching a crowd in the wilderness. And he recognized what? That they needed food, not only to survive, but actually to listen to what he was saying. And so he divided up the five loaves and the two fish, perhaps one of the most famous Stories in all of the gospels because it's the only miracle other than the resurrection found in all four gospels is the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus recognizes, look, they need food to live and they need food to hear what I am providing for them, which is eternal life that will never end. Uh, We eat because God has designed us to hunger and thirst for life. Have you ever been what is described as hangry, right? Uh, It's a combination of being hungry and angry, right? Maybe lunch is a little bit uh, behind or dinner is a little bit behind. And as your stomach begins to send you signals that you need food, you start to get frustrated and irritated with those around you, people that you love and care for. You don't like when you are very, very hungry. Right? That is because the hungrier you get, the more your body and your brain send you a signal that if you don't eat, you will die. And God made you that way. I ran across an article in Time magazine where they did some research on why people get stressed and irritable when they are hungry. But the best line that I ran across was this. Research has shown that compared to well-fed couples, Glucose-deprived people, that is hungry people, tend to stick more pins into voodoo dolls meant to represent their spouses. I thought, what a fun experiment that must have been. They gave hungry people little dolls and said, this is your husband or wife. And the hungrier they got, the more pins they stuck into that little doll, right? Because if I'm not happy because I'm not eating, everybody else will suffer as well. Because you are designed to need nourishment, to live. And Jesus never shames people for that need. You know what he does? He meets it. And that's what we see in the wilderness, in the feeding of the 5,000 at the beginning of John 6. And then in verse 26, at the beginning of the section I just read, Jesus, uh, when they follow him to the other side, of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus says, hey, by the way, you're following me, not because you want to hear from me, but because you ate the food and you were filled up. Their physical need drove them to follow Jesus. And Jesus recognizes that you know something in me, Jesus says, will give you life, will meet your needs, but you aren't yet thinking fully about life says, you followed me because I gave you bread. All of us need physical nourishment from food. So we open the pantry looking for life. We also look for joy, don't we? We look for joy. Food brings us happiness. Uh, we use phrases like comfort food, right? There are certain foods that bring us comfort and joy, usually rich, fatty Greasy foods that bring us joy and comfort. And what's interesting is that there are foods we eat and meals we eat that are almost strictly for pleasure, right? So we may sit down with a bowl of ice cream and what happens is every pleasure receptor in our body begins to zero in on that bowl of ice cream and we look at it and our eyes say that is good and we place it in our mouth and our taste buds say that is good and we feel the texture And we smell the ice cream and it is good. And in fact, even your ears get involved. I don't know if you've ever sat down with a good dessert and your kids come to ask you a question and you say, shh, (laughs) I need to enjoy this, right? You want to enjoy it in quiet and silence because every part of your body says, this brings me joy. Several years ago, Shannon and I on an anniversary date went to a very fancy steak restaurant. And I remember the first bite of the steak, I took a bite and it was the best steak I'd ever tasted. And it was exactly like that. All of the surroundings sort of disappeared, right? And it was me and this meat. (laughs) And I felt that joy. So we go to food looking for life, but also for joy, for a quality of life and an abundance of life that we hunger for. And again, Jesus is gonna make the case that he can satisfy that hunger as well. So we look for physical nourishment. We look for joy. What's interesting also about uh, looking for joy is every time I share an illustration in here about food, I see smiles across the whole congregation. And people come up later and they go, that was such a great, enjoyable illustration and I'm going to KFC for lunch today, right? It's usually John Creel actually who comes up and says that to me. <laughs> we enjoy food. We look for life. We look for joy. And then we actually look for relational connection through food. Think about the potluck we had last week as we sat around tables and we talked with one another, and we developed relationships. Think about uh, Thanksgiving dinner, which is a feast. All right, a family of four does not need a 20-pound turkey and 18 mashed potatoes and a huge bowl of cranberry sauce and 16 rolls. You don't need it to live, do you? But you gather together over that meal to give thanks for what God has provided and to enjoy your family and to connect over a feast. Every culture has feast days where the primary purpose is, I will sit face to face with you and connect over this food. If you think about the last supper Jesus had with his disciples, the primary purpose of that supper was for Jesus to connect with his disciples, to tell them what was coming, and to encourage them for the days ahead And they would sit around this table and you you see this in John, they would actually recline their heads on the chest of the person next to them as they ate. There was a closeness and an intimacy in sharing a meal because meals bring us connection with one another. Food and drink play this enormous role in our lives. The problem, of course, is that earthly food and drink never really satisfy the hunger of our soul. Do they? The best meal doesn't last more than a few hours to a day before we're hungry again. Some of the best tasting meals sadly make us sick later. Earthly food and drink never really satisfies the deepest hunger we have for life and for joy and for connection with others. and connection with God. And so what Jesus draws out in John chapter six is that he is the one in whom all of those things are provided. Not just provided for a few hours or a day, but for eternity. So we all hunger and only the bread of life can fill us up. Verse 35 of this passage Jesus says, he who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. That Jesus provides a duration of life and a quality of life and a connection in life that mere food can never bring. Going back for a moment to John chapter six. Uh, Like I mentioned, this is the only miracle uh, other than the resurrection that is related in all four gospels. And there's a very clear parallel here between what Jesus does in the feeding of the 5,000 and what happens in the wilderness with the Israelites. If you remember with the Israelites in the wilderness after they left Egypt, God would rain manna, this sort of bread from the sky every single day. And they were relying upon God to provide it. So uh, here in John chapter 6, when the people approach Jesus and Jesus says, look, you follow me because I filled your belly. You need to work for the food that will last forever. They say, well, well, how do we do that work? And Jesus says, you believe in me. And they say, well, why should we believe in you? And here's the great irony of John 6. They say, our forefathers, uh, they got manna from heaven. And their, their implication is that the manna from heaven validated Moses as God's messenger. Moses, as a prophet, gave us this manna from heaven. Now, the great irony here is Jesus had just given them all of this bread. And it didn't rain down from heaven, but it came from Jesus's hands. He took these few loaves and these fish and he broke it apart and he spread it out. And he fed thousands of people at one time. And they say, hey, what sign do you do, Jesus. And Jesus tells them that he is the source of life, the bread of life who will provide for all of their needs. Jesus says, what you're hungering for, I have. Eternal life, joy, connection with me. How does Jesus describe himself as the bread of life? First of all, the bread of life, is never out of date, never out of date. Verse 27, he's going to say, Don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Now again, you think back to the days of Jesus, and they didn't have refrigerators. Uh, Their bread would not have been encased in a plastic bag to keep it fresh for a little while. If you didn't eat the bread today or tomorrow, you better not eat it at all. It was going to perish quickly and be gone. Even today, we are familiar with what happens when food begins to spoil. You open up that container of milk and you smell it and you go, "Mm, probably better not risk it. The bread begins to mold. The fruit begins to decay. All of our food eventually decays, right? Unless it's like a Twinkie or something like that. that lasts forever. But our food begins to decay. I, I, I remember vividly being in junior high and I was assigned a project to see what would happen as a little bowl of cottage cheese decayed over a period of several weeks And we had to run this experiment in our home, and I still remember it vividly because as that cottage cheese decayed, of course, it began to smell and emit a terrible odor into the house, and it looked terrible. And I remember by the end, I could not even look at it directly. It was so gross, and I had to pick it up and throw it outside. And I'm not kidding. It was nearly 30 years ago, and I still have a hard time with cottage cheese to this day. We are all familiar with what happens when our food perishes. And they were more familiar with it in their day than we are in ours. And Jesus says, I offer food that never goes bad, that lasts to eternity. It is never out of date. It never expires. There is also a parallel here to the manna in the wilderness. I don't know if you remember, but when God promised them and gave them the manna in the wilderness. You remember he said, look, I don't want you to gather it up and try to save it to the next day. God told them that because he wanted them to trust him day after day after day. So every morning new manna would rain onto the ground. The only day they could save it over was on Friday so they didn't have to go out and gather it on the Sabbath. And it would last for two days. But those who tried to save it overnight woke up the next day and found that it was being consumed by worms. And Jesus says, if you remember the manna that God provided, even that manna perished after a day. I offer life that will never end. When we look to food for physical life, What Jesus tells us is this, that the only way you can have a life that never ends is to eat the food that I provide, which ultimately he will say is himself. You partake of Jesus and that food never perishes, never goes bad, never is out of date. He offers life that never ends, right? He also uh, says the bread of life is never empty calories, All right, never empty calories. Let me give you a few passages. Uh, Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. Now drop down to verse 49. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He will live forever, and the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now go down to verse 55. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. What is Jesus saying? There is a quality of life and a connection to God offered by Jesus that you cannot get from earthly Food. Yes, earthly food brings us joy. But what Jesus offers brings us a permanent connection to God that brings us a joy that keeps going and going and wells up from within. It is not the empty calories of the food of this world that we often eat because we often hunger for life. And we look for life in food, in drink, in sex, in relationships on a human level and all kinds of things that may be good, but will not provide lasting and abundant and permanent joy. And Jesus says, the life that I offer lasts forever. I have to make a confession to you this morning. And it is this, that uh, my secret food that I love is nacho cheese Doritos. I love them. Uh, and I could eat them for every meal. Uh, when I was younger, I did, a lot. Okay? I ate them a lot. Uh, but what I found over the years was that uh, the more I ate them, I, I couldn't stop eating them. If I open the bag, I will eat the whole bag. And it, it feels really good while I am eating them. And then it feels really, really bad later. And so I found that actually if I keep them in my pantry, I'm in trouble. I actually can't really keep them around no matter how large the bag is. I will eat the whole thing if I open it up. But it is not food, right? It's not actually real food. It is empty calories that fills your stomach without providing any nourishment. And Jesus says the food that he offers never does that to you. The things that we chase in this life, they often fill us up temporarily, don't they? But they leave us empty and hurting and sick. Jesus says, I never offer empty calories. Jesus is also, I think, drawing a connection between the food and the life that he offers and the kingdom of God that is coming. And here's what I mean. If you think about uh, the way that God has provided for his people all the way since the beginning of time, if you go back and think about the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, remember God placed Adam and Eve there and he gave them abundant food. And he said, you eat freely from all of this food. There was one tree that as long as they ate from it, they would live. It was called the tree of life. Remember, and there was another tree that they were not to eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As long as they ate from the tree of life, they would stay alive. As long as they did not eat from that tree, they would eventually die. There were all these other trees in the garden of all kinds of fruit, presumably just because God was good and wanted to give them a joyful experience in that garden. But remember what happened when they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, They were kicked out of the garden. God said, you will die. And what did he do? He placed an angel with a flaming sword in front of what? The tree of life. And now you will die. You cannot eat from the life-giving tree. But listen, when we get to the book of Revelation, at the very end of the book of Revelation, in chapters 21 and 22... When the kingdom of God is described, the new heavens and the new earth comes down and God begins to reign through Jesus. What do we see? In the middle of the city is the river of life. And do you know what lines the river of life? The tree of life, not just one, but more than you can count up and down that river. We will eat from the tree of life if we're connected with Jesus forever and ever and ever God will give food that will permanently nourish us, connect us to God, and we will never die. Revelation 7 tells us that those who are connected to Jesus in the kingdom of God will never hunger and never thirst. There will always be more than we need. And we will live in the joy and the life of God forever. Jesus' food is never empty. It provides a life that is full and abundant, beginning now for those who trust him and extending into eternity. It's never empty calories. And then thirdly, it's never too expensive. In fact, it's free. Verses 37 to 40. Now on the last day, the great day of the feet. Oh, I'm reading from chapter seven. Let's go back to chapter six. Verses 37 to 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son And believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. This goes back to what Jesus had said in verse 29 that the work of God is simply to believe in Jesus. In other words, the life that Jesus offers, the bread of life, is absolutely free. All of us have had the experience of going to a restaurant and ordering food and getting the bill and thinking, oh no, I overextended myself a bit. I I remember when I was in my first year of seminary, Shannon and I went to lunch after church with a group of people from our Sunday school class. And because I was paying for seminary and our budget was tight, we had a very limited eating out budget. And I got the bill at this restaurant and I looked at the bill and I remember thinking, we will not eat out again for a month because it was so expensive. And often in our world, the reality is that food, in fact, divides us by economic status, doesn't it? It divides rich from poor. Those who have more can eat foods and eat in certain places that those who have less cannot. Food is often a dividing marker, even between one country and another. Some countries in our world uh, face starvation on a massive scale. Other countries like ours have more than enough day after day. And so food divides people because it's expensive. And Jesus says, the food I offer, the life I offer is absolutely free. It's never going to perish. It's always going to bring life and it's absolutely free. All you must do is believe in him. Believe in Jesus. And Jesus at the last supper, not long after this, will explain that the body and blood he gave for us represents the bread of life, which brings us life forever. He died in our place for our sin. He rose again to bring us eternal life. And all who trust in him, he simply gives that life absolutely free. The best food in the universe has no cost. So, Jesus says, All who come to me will never hunger and never thirst. Now, what's interesting is to see how people responded to Jesus' claim to be the source of abundant and eternal life. Verse 66 As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So, Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. It's fascinating, after Jesus presents himself as the bread of life. Some people leave and their, their objection to him seems to be that he is claiming to be the one who provides all life, the only way to God. And so some people depart. Even Judas has a, an intention in his heart to betray him. But Simon Peter says, Lord, where else would we go? You are offering us life that nothing else can provide. You have words of eternal life. So the question for you and me is do we believe that Jesus is the bread of life who can satisfy every hunger we have? As we move through our weeks and our days and we feel a hunger for food, we feel a hunger for connection, we feel a hunger for joy. Do we go to God To meet those needs, it's not to say we stop eating, but that is to say that each day we trust in God to be the one who provides not only for our physical needs, but for abundance of life and a life that will last forever. We're going to celebrate communion this morning, and as the men prepare to come forward, I want us to think about a couple of things as we prepare to celebrate communion. First of all, communion is a perfect picture of what Jesus is talking about in John 6, that his body and blood given for us are the means by which we have life. And as we uh, meditate on the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf this morning, ask a couple of questions of ourselves. Okay, the first one is this. Do you believe that Jesus is the bread of life? Have you believed that? Maybe that you came in this morning and you don't yet know that you have a relationship with God through Jesus. You don't yet know that you have eternal life, the life that Jesus offers. And what Jesus would say is if you believe in him, if you trust in his death and resurrection on your behalf for your sin, you can have this life that is abundant, that is eternal, that is free. Have you believed he is the bread of life and then do you look to him to satisfy the hungers of your soul? When you wake up each morning, do you thank him that you're alive? Pray he will meet your needs physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally. And when we hunger, do we allow that to be a reminder to drive us to Jesus, to satisfy those hungers? So as we celebrate communion, let's ponder those questions. 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you, Let's pray. Father, we praise you for Jesus and that in him you've given us life. We praise you that he is the bread of life who always satisfies, never leaves us hungry, and provides us life that will always last. We praise you for the reminder of that in communion this morning, that we celebrate his body given for us. And I pray as we go into the week ahead that every hunger or thirst we have, we would look to you to satisfy even our physical hungers and desires. I pray we would recognize that you are the great provider and Jesus is the one who gives us the lives that we have. So Father, I pray we would look to you and to your son Jesus through the power of your spirit to meet all of our needs and to keep us alive from now until forever, in a life that is abundant and deeply connected to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close in worship.